mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, blessed are the peacemakers, paying tribute to those who have fallen in the line of duty to protect our local communities. Also this morning, another Camp Fun event is coming up next month, friendship, understanding, and nurturing for children who have been touched by the addiction crisis locally. What effect have concerns over a shaky economy done to the entrepreneurial spirit? You might be surprised at what a new report reveals about starting a business amid recession fears. And the countdown is on. It's time for a reminder about taking care of yourself during the summer season. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 22nd, 2023. So getting into a new work week here, unless you're retired and you know, during the pandemic, there was a, sort of a, a run on people in their relatively young deciding they're going to retire, you know, in middle age, they go, oh, I'm just going to retire early. The uh, pandemic uh, really uh, triggered a lot of people to retire early. If you are thinking about doing this, or if you did during the pandemic, chances are you are having second thoughts about that. Experts warn that middle-aged workers who quit during the pandemic may outlive their 401k. About 2.4 million Americans retired in the early part of the uh, pandemic, and working Americans 45 and older say it takes $1.1 million to retire comfortably. That seems to be the magic number. Um, Greg Wilson uh, was uh, one. And this is a a report that I saw um, on the Newswire, and I don't know where the report originated from. But uh, they interviewed Greg Wilson. Again, I have no idea where he's from. but He retired at age 42, maxed out his 401k, and bought two rental properties, to supplement his income. He said, I wanted to retire early so I could spend time with my kids instead of at work, which is very noble. But um, only 29% of Americans are currently on track to cover their living expenses when they retire. Only 29%. So if you retired early, that might have been a mistake. If you're thinking of retiring early, might want to think again. So something to that i saw that story and i was actually a little um it made me feel a little bit better because (laughs) i'm not alone in being one of those people who are unable to retire early no not me right here where i always am uh speaking of the pandemic this is weird uh but maybe not necessarily unexpected when you think about it after three years of wearing masks Some people have forgotten how to smile without looking awkward. (laughs) In Japan, there is a new profession popping up. Smiling educators. (laughs) People who teach other people how to smile. They specialize in helping students show off their pearly whites again. Uh, Said one smile trainer, smile educator, Miho Kitano, Said, I have heard from people who say that even if they are able to remove their masks, they don't want to show the bottom half of their faces. They don't know how to smile anymore. He says, training yourself to smile is just like exercising any other body part. Smiling classes 
include stretching sessions, observing oneself in a mirror, and flexing those facial muscles. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, they actually have smiling educators, smiling trainers (laughs) in Japan. Like I said, it's a bit bizarre, but if you really think about it, probably not all that surprising, I guess. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started, heading into a a new week. To no one's surprise, the Bay Area is number one in the list of most expensive cities in the U.S. in which to raise children. No big surprise here. The personal finance website Smart Asset used data from MIT's learning... uh, Let's try that again. MIT's living wage calculator... To find that in the U.S., it costs close to $21,000 a year to raise a child. $21,000 a year that we spend raising a child. I don't know that we spent that much to raise our two children. They, we had them on the budget plan. <laughs> they were discount kids. <laughs> Uh, The site reviewed nearly 400 metro areas across the country to determine how much it costs for two adults to raise a child in 2023. Um, Now, again, this is two adults, so it assumes uh, that, I mean, for single-parent households, it'd be even more challenging. But costs for two adults to raise a child in 2023, many of the locations in the top ten Uh, were areas in California, again, to no one's surprise. But some of the others outside of California that made the list, Boston, uh, again, not a big surprise, Princeton, um, Princeton, New Jersey, Ann Arbor, and Kalamazoo, Michigan. Ann Arbor and Kalamazoo, Michigan, among the top 10 most expensive cities to raise a kid in all of those areas it costs over 30k a year to bring up a child so wow i mean san francisco not a big surprise but uh ann arbor and of all places kalamazoo among the most expensive places to raise a child that is very unexpected uh let's see here there's always something that we have to worry about and here is today's story That we need to be fretting, worrying about, wringing our hands over. According to the Climate Prediction Center, we may see extreme heat this summer. Their outlook, I mean, we're coming up on, you know, the countdown is on to the beginning of the summer season with Memorial Day weekend right around the corner now. And uh, the Climate Prediction Center says their outlook shows hotter than average temperatures across the continental United States. Through August, this is all due to a heat dome that is also impacting Canada, contributing to those big wildfires in Alberta that have been causing smoky, hazy skies all over the U.S. Doggone Canadians, keep your smoke on your side of the morning. But anyway, um, El Nino could uh, turn up the heat in the coming months as well. This uh, climate cycle can push warm weather toward the Americas, and that cycle is expected to last throughout the summer and into the fall, at least until the winter, if not even longer. So it does look like we are in for extreme heat this summer.
Uh, boy, it was nice yesterday, wasn't it? Beautiful weekend, really. Uh, all in all, it uh, turned out to be a very, very nice weekend. So hopefully you got out and enjoyed it. Before we get into the extreme heat of summer. Extreme heat. And how about this? I saw this on the Newswire, a bit bittersweet here. But they say all good things must come to an end, right? Nothing lasts forever. And the very first Chick-fil-A restaurant has closed. The Atlanta location in the food court of Greenbrier Mall, which apparently was the very first Chick-fil-A restaurant, served its last food on Saturday. Uh, It says here the store was the first Chick-fil-A-specific restaurant opened in 1967. Um, Chick-fil-A actually traces its origins to another restaurant in Atlanta. The Dwarf Grill is a restaurant in Atlanta where the first Chick-fil-A sandwiches were sold. And that opened 20 years before, but the very first specific Chick-fil-A restaurant Opened in 1967, the Greenbrier Mall served its last food on Saturday. Back then, uh, when the uh, place first opened, you could get a chicken sandwich for 59 cents. So, uh, can't do that these days. There you go, the very first Chick-fil-A. I know, it is kind of of bittersweet. There you go. Uh, Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It'll be partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the upper 70s. Just a few clouds tonight, a low in the mid-50s. The Finley Police Department says a man was arrested after making a threat on social media indicating a shooting was going to occur at a school. Police responded to Jefferson Primary on Fairlawn Place on Friday afternoon after learning of the threat. Officers made contact with school officials and the school went into a lockdown. Investigating officers responded to a nearby residence where the suspect lives and after interviewing him, he was placed under arrest. Police say no guns were located at the suspect's residence and several electronic devices were seized as evidence. Get more on the website. A police chase involving a rented truck that started in Bowling Green ended in another state. Bowling Green police say three suspects stole $1,400 worth of liquor and other items from the Kroger on Main Street in BG. The suspects drove their U-Haul north on I-475 through Lucas County and into Michigan. Monroe County picked up the chase once it crossed state lines, followed by Detroit police who found the suspects and took them into custody. WTOL 11's Tim Miller reporting. The Lima Avenue root beer stand will soon be reopening under new ownership. Stanley Miller, the owner of Miller's Meats, bought the iconic Finley establishment and plans to reopen it under the name Miller's Root Beer and Barbecue. My mother retired from Cooper Tire, so I remember going there as a kid when she used to work in the offices. I used to go over there. I remember the first time going over there and getting the trays, seeing the frosty mugs come out to the cars back when you actually had to roll your windows down like by, by hand. Miller says reopening the root beer stand is an opportunity to keep an artisan business alive and put his own stamp on it while creating new generational memories for people. Miller's anticipating an early June opening. Get more of our conversation with him about the root beer stand on our website. Bluffton historian Fred Steiner will be giving a presentation titled Unusual Bluffton Visitors, Saloons, and Other Stories on Wednesday at the Bluffton Public Library. Steiner says from the 1880s to the 1930s, Bluffton was part of a circuit visited by an interesting group of itinerants. And during the 1890s, Bluffton was home to 13 saloons, mostly along Main Street.
The presentation will be at 6 p.m. Wednesday at the Bluffton Public Library. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So while we're talking about uh, the fact that we coming up on Memorial Day weekend, we know what the purpose of Memorial Day is to honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice in service to the country. It is entirely appropriate not to take away from the meaning of the Memorial Day holiday, but entirely appropriate that we also salute those who have fallen in the line of duty to protect our local communities as well. And that will be happening this evening, the Fallen Officers Memorial Service. And uh, Pastor Terry Beth is uh, with us in the studio this morning. Uh, we've talked about this uh, before, and sadly, we have uh, an, uh, another name to, to add yes. uh, to the uh, to the local memorial, which has been expanded to uh, include all of the uh, area communities, not just Finley, but Hancock County Hancock, and so Hancock on. Hancock County, yes, yeah. that's true. Tell us, uh, tell us more about uh, the service uh, this evening. Well, we certainly remember our officer that fell in uh, Bluffton, Dominic Francis. Mm-hmm. I was... Uh, privileged to be able to go with the sheriff, the highway patrol, and their local police department to make the death notification to his wife. Mm. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That is one of those things that you just, you, you you never forget. I mean, that's kind of, you know, etched in your soul when you have to make a notification like that. And sadly, um, even though ours is a generally safe community, that's not to say that these things don't happen. Someone said, when one die, we all die. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's something in us that suddenly doesn't have the same comfort or security that we had before this death of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Some 400-plus men and women have given their lives this last year yeah. in order to keep our community safe. And I want to salute every law enforcement agency out there today. Without you, our community would not be at peace at all. Yeah. Uh, During the course of the uh, ceremony, we uh, honor not just uh, those who have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice over the course of the past year, but uh, really throughout the years. And uh, again, making sure that these individuals are never forgotten. That is very true. Since uh, this began back in 1780, nationwide, some 22,000 men and women have fallen in the line of duty. Mm Mm-hmm. We have lost somewhere over 400 men and women across our nation. And I just want to say thank you to their husbands, wives, children, grandchildren. I was privileged to make that uh, memorable uh, excursion to the Justice Center in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Every 15 minutes, there's a, there's a change in the, in the, in the guard. Mm-hmm. And it runs 24-7. Yeah. The uh, the national uh, memorial was held what last week? Last week, and uh, so this is the uh, local memorial. Uh, this will be happening this evening at six p.m. Six correct? p.m. at uh, the FOP Lodge on uh, Romick Parkway. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I, need, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Uh, and there will be a number of uh, there will be uh, guest speaker. Uh, there will be a number of dignitaries that will be there as well. All the law enforcement agencies will be represented tonight in all of our not just our town but our towns across Hancock County. I cannot tell you how comforting it is to not only work with Hancock County but with all of Northern Ohio, Ohio itself, 
in protecting our nation, our city, and our towns. As we mentioned, uh, the memorial here in Findlay was uh, updated uh, this past year to include all of the departments in Hancock County. Talk about what that means. And again, you have worked for a number of years with uh, law enforcement officers. Talk about what it means for them, the law enforcement community, to know that should the unthinkable happen, that they will not be forgotten, to know that the community has, they have the support of the community in this way. Well, there's a family brotherhood when it comes to the thin blue line or from the sheriff's office or highway patrol. Mm -hmm. I've served as chaplain for a long time. And I have watched as our little cities have, towns have grown into cities and cities are growing even bigger. Mm -hmm. And I tell you the truth that one of the things that police deal with all the time is trust. Who do you trust? Mm -hmm. I've been with them when I've heard the biggest liars in town. (laughs) And then I've been there when hearts are broken and lives are changed. And I think the question you've asked is a great question because we need that fellowship, brotherhood, and that individual knowledge of each other. Uh, Most officers have trouble having a personal friend, Mm -hmm. someone they can just open up to because uh, we just have a a situation in our brain that says, Mm -hmm. I'll just keep it to myself. Well, and it's it's such a unique profession. I mean, you know, obviously it's not like your normal nine to five. Um, You know, these are individuals who are called upon in some pretty incredible circumstances. And I would imagine that there's that feeling, and it's probably not wrong, that very few people can relate to what a law enforcement officer goes through. Um, Again, there are some days, maybe most days, that are kind of routine, but the ones that aren't uh, certainly can take their toll, and it's not something that most of us can really relate to. Some 20-plus years ago, uh, we lost an officer, and uh, uh, he was working out, but he was still off to, just on duty, and, mm-hmm. and he passed away. And uh, when I got to the hospital, I think every family in the entire department was represented there, yeah. wives and children, and it was just a heartbreaking scene. But then I watched as they encouraged one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's important for law enforcement to yeah. be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think the memorial service brings us together for a purpose that we all agree with. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up, talk about that, is because this is one way that the community can tangibly show their support and their appreciation for uh, the job that law enforcement does, uh, the incredibly difficult job, and something that's getting more difficult all the time, um, this is the way that we can uh, show them that we care. You know, I think some people think that uh, police officers are the same on television as they're off. <laughs> uh, you can watch somebody shoot five guys on, on your set within an hour, yeah. and if, if one person's injured, it takes them several several hours just to just to get the paperwork done. Right. But I've yeah. watched uh, many many people have done, you know, backgrounds and and uh, daily tendencies. It, uh, they tell me that when an officer gets dressed at home, when he puts on his gun, 
his blood pressure raises 20 points. Hmm. Whether it's, he believes it or not, whether he just it's just what happens to yeah. your, your body. Yeah, psychologically, yeah. there's and, – and I, I have no difficulty believing that. Uh, and, again, this is an event that uh, is so important for people to come out – we get the opportunity 6 p.m. Uh, this evening at the FOP Lodge. FOP. Uh, and this is rain or shine, even though the uh, weather it's looks like it's going to be absolutely uh, beautiful. Um, as we mentioned, there'll be a lot of dignitaries. There'll be a uh, speaker and, a, and refreshments afterwards, a, a chance for there'll some fellowship. There'll be some cookies fellowship. and pop and, yeah. and things like that. But most of all, it's a time for our community to come out and say, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for letting us sleep at night. Thank you for keeping our streets safe. And most of all, thank you for loving us enough to put your life on the line. Absolutely. It's uh, certainly not too much to ask that we uh, give one evening to uh, recognize those that do this every day and those, as we said, that have given the ultimate sacrifice. We have a a link up on our webpage for uh, more information about that event again this evening at the uh, FOP Lodge uh, 20 on Romick Parkway. And uh, Chaplain Terry McBeth with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by, as always. We appreciate it. Thank you. You guys have always been so kind. And I just want to say thank you to you folks who keep us alive, keep us informed, and keeps us going. Well, very humbled by that, but uh, we appreciate it very much. So another Camp Fun event is coming up next month. This is a twice-yearly project that provides... Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing, F-U-N, fun, to children who have been touched by the addiction crisis, both directly and indirectly in the community. Precious Stuby uh, is the Executive Director of the Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board uh, locally. And uh, Precious, talk a little bit about sort of the genesis. This is, uh, what, a couple, three years that you've been uh, doing this, right? Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yes, this will be our fourth camp. So we're just finishing two years, um, and um, we are thrilled that we are able to offer it this, this in June. It will be at Camp Barry. Okay. So uh, give us uh, kind of the background on the concept behind this and how you uh, try to, to reach these kids and provide them with, um, you know, this experience? Well, to be really honest with you, Chris, really what happened is, you know, we do a review of every overdose death in Hancock County. Mm -hmm. And as we started looking at those reviews, we noticed that, you know, oftentimes there were children left behind. And it made us start to think about what can we do for kids that are impacted by addiction. And so we got a group of people and churches and local agencies together, and the idea of a camp was born. And the goal of the camp is just to say to children, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. There are children all over that are impacted by addiction in one way or another, whether it's mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle. And because of some of the shame associated with addiction, often kids don't talk about it. Um, And so we just wanted an opportunity for them to be able to come together, enjoy a day, learn some new things, and meet some new people. So this is 
on one hand, uh, a, a camp program that is very similar to others that people may be familiar with, some of the you know fun activities and you know that kind of thing. And then on the other hand, as you sort of alluded to, there is a much more serious purpose to it. The, the, the purpose and intent is really to make sure the kids know that they count mm-hmm. and that they have an opportunity to know they're not alone. Other than that, the camp, like you said, is just like other camps. And we have some, like, standing things we do at every camp. At every camp, we try and do something related to art. We try and do some kind of exposure to an animal, um, whether that is a support animal. This at the camp this time, we're going to have horses out there and a petting zoo. Awesome. We do a we do a physical activity at every camp. Uh, this year, the camp uh, activity will be archery, and then we try and do music uh, at every camp. And this time, it will be a drumming circle. So the idea is that these are things that kids may or may not have been exposed to. It's just an opportunity to expose them to different ways of expressing themselves. Um, And then uh, this year, uh, this camp, we are collaborating with the library, and we will be sending home books with each uh, child that comes to camp. That is terrific stuff. And I would imagine that there is some extreme sense of fulfillment when you connect with some of these kids who again may be uh reeling from their experience again whether uh you know however that may be uh the the fact that the addiction crisis has touched their family there's got to be uh, some satisfaction in in knowing that you have reached these kids. You know, uh, I think it's why there are so many people that come to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, this community oh, so wants to wrap their arms around children and say, we're here for you. Yeah. Um, we know you've had a tough time, and we want this to be a special day for you and a special opportunity to see that you're not alone. They often are the sort of overlooked victims. The um, collateral damage, I guess, is uh, a term that we're all familiar with in the addiction crisis, because as you said, uh, nearly every, uh, I don't know about near out nearly every, I don't want to uh, assume anything, but a large number of these cases uh, there are children's lives that are impacted in some way, shape, or form uh, by this crisis in the community. So the camp is coming up uh, here in a couple of weeks, right? Yes, June the 17th from 10 to 4 at Camp Barry. Um, registration starts at 930, and anybody that is interested in um Coming to camp, can talk, contact our office at 419-424-1985. Now, this is geared, this program is geared at what age, uh, what age levels? We are trying to do 9 to 17. Okay. And with the children, we, we kind of group them in a younger group, mm-hmm. the 9 to 12-year-olds and then the 13 to 17-year-olds, so that, you know, during the day we can separate out that separate them by age, by activity. 
And this is a one-day event, so again, makes it easy uh, for those uh, who may not be able to do a a multi-day program. This is all, you squeeze it all into one day. It's one day. It's free. We have transportation available if someone uh, needs transportation, and we can accommodate special diets if that needs to be taken care of. Really, our arms are wide open, and we would love to have any child who has been exposed or impacted by addiction to come join us for the day. It's a fabulous time. I have not missed a camp myself. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, trying to remove uh, all of the barriers uh, possible. And as you mentioned, uh, folks do need to sign up in advance so you know how many are coming. That's correct. And so that we can make sure that we have food and enough supplies. So, uh, again, it's our office number, the 419-424-1985. Very good. And uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for more information as well about Camp Fun, Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing for Kids Who Have Been Touched by the Addiction Crisis. And again, the date is June 17th, correct? Absolutely. Saturday. All right. Uh, again, Adamus uh, Executive Director Precious Duby with us this morning with a preview. Camp Fun uh, is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Precious, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, you know, of course, there has been much reporting on the shaky state of the U.S. economy. In fact, it seems to be all we hear about some days. So what effect does this have on the entrepreneurial spirit, if you will? As we close out Small Business Month in May, a new report from Constant Contact reveals how Americans feel about launching a business during a potential economic downturn. And we are joined by Dave Charest, Director of Small Business Success for Constant Contact, Dave, kind of lay this out for us. What did you find in this new Small Business Now report? Give us an overview. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, you know, thanks so much for having me here today to discuss this. And, you know, really what we found is that uh, small businesses are, are resilient. Uh, as, as you might imagine, they've been around for a long time and they've been through tough times before. Uh, and really the, our goal with the report was really to explore whether or not the threat of a recession coming up was really going to impact the appetite for people really thinking about starting new businesses. And, mm-hmm. and what we really found was a lot of optimism and opportunities. Um, some of the top things that we found were, you know, about 50%, 45% actually would, would pursue becoming a small business owner or recommend that path to someone else during a recession. Uh, we also found that about 30% would actively look to supplement their current a- income by starting a, a side hustle if, if while they were still employed. Um, other things were like 45% really feel comfortable starting a business with less than $10,000 in savings. And 22% actually felt comfortable doing that uh, with $2,000. They felt hmm. that would be enough. Wow. And interestingly, the, the next piece of that was really that aside from the capital to run or start a business, 35% really felt that they would need the most help when it comes to marketing their business and getting their stuff out there. So those were some of the top findings that we found. Obviously, and the marketing side is uh, what you specialize in. I want to get back to that here in just a moment. Did any of the results from the survey come as a surprise to you at all? I mean, I'm thinking 
obviously, as we all know, the the economy is cyclical. As you mentioned, uh, these things come and go. Um, But if you look at inflation, for example, it has not been this high in something like 30, 40 years. The Fed's interest rate has been at or near zero for so long that even the historical average seems very high. So many, especially younger business owners or potential business owners, really haven't seen an economic cycle quite like this one before. And I wonder uh, if that in any way influenced the way they perceive the current economy is kind of a shock to the system kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that's interesting because we find that even in as things kind of get slower economically, that actually the business inception start to skyrocket. So like if you look at the current like uh, Census Bureau from the U.S. Census Bureau, they actually recorded a 127% increase in new business applications in the first four months of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing that kind of similar level of optimism right now. And I think based on even, you know, I talked to cu- uh, customers and small business owners on a regular, and they're really looking actively for ways to jump into small business ownership, ownership because they're confident that they can actually be successful with it. And uh, it's just there's there's an optimism and r- resiliency with the types of people that want to take that leap into entrepreneurship. Uh, you referenced the pandemic, and that's kind of the other uh, unique monkey wrench that's been thrown into the normal cycle of things. Uh, again, as we were alluding to, this is not the first nor the last time that entrepreneurs have been or will be faced with these kind of economic challenges. Uh, what we're seeing now. So is this the the kind of mindset? It seems from what you were saying, this is the kind of the mindset that you would expect to find in conditions such as these, even coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, the challenge is as I've talked to people and what we've seen in this, this research is um, business owners are resilient and they really look for, okay, what is it that I have to do now and how do I need to shift things to make this continue to work or at least continue to uh, move past this kind of hiccup in the road. And, right. and and that's that's really what we've seen is, you know, they're just really optimistic and willing to take those chances to get to that next thing and, and to, to use an overused word, right, but pivot on what they need to do to kind of get to that next stage. So all very encouraging, uh, despite what many people look at and, and see as headwinds here. So you take all of this data from the report. And again, going back to what you were talking about earlier, what do you glean from this in terms of advice for getting a new business off the ground in times like these? Well, I think the, the best thing that we can really think about in, in terms of people getting started with the business is to really focus on what they do best and, and look for tools and resources to help kind of fill those gaps and things that you may not know. And then, of course, really think about what are the tool sets that you can use to help with those things like marketing, because we often know that business owners, of course, are right, the business owner by trade and marketer by necessity, and they need to get the word out about mm-hmm. that. And I think it really boils down to one, really understanding who is the customer that you're trying to reach, what is the plan that you can what is the plan, the service, the product, whatever that is to kind of deliver on their needs. And then just using the right tools and technologies to help market your business and just repeat that <laughs> every single day, right? Yeah. It's really doing that. Um, at the end of the day, I think it comes as no surprise that running or, or growing your own business takes a lot of dedication and energy. Um, and we're proud to really help the small stand tall is how we look at it, is, is what our mission is, and, and, and really help 
I mean, have constant contact, help with things like marketing so you can put your energy and time into to running the business. You know, I, I wonder if, in a sense, these types of uh, economic times, uh, you know, and the, and the challenges actually make it even more likely that a business will be successful in the sense that you have to be very deliberate and think about all of these things more so. Uh, I, I, I would imagine if somebody starts a business when, when economic times are booming, they may take some of these things for granted and not do some of these important steps that you really have to do anytime. But maybe when times are good, they take it for granted so they don't think about it. Now you're being very deliberate about all of these things that can actually lead to success. Yeah, Chris, I love that point uh, because it really is. It becomes one of those things like, I, oh, I can do that later because like I don't yeah. have to do it now. And, right. and when you get into, for lack of a better term, a, a crisis situation, you really need to focus and really say, okay, like, here's what I need to do. And I need to do this now. And it, it, it gives you that uh, kick in the pants, right? Really to say, <laughs> okay, we're going to, you know, here's what I need to do. And this is what we need to do to, to kind of move forward. And, and yeah, to your point, it, you can sometimes be a little lax in doing some of those things mm. that are nice to do's where now they become, I must do that thing. Yeah, you, you can never take success for granted. And uh, in times like these, you know you can't take success for granted. So point well taken. Again, Dave Trest is uh, Director of Small Business Success for Constant Contact. We referenced the Small Business Now report and all of this uh, data. You actually have this online if folks are interested in learning more about it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you can go to constantcontact.com and uh, find the information there. Thanks so much, Chris. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, here is a story that I think could probably only happen in Florida. Lakembrick Hanna is uh, under arrest after he allegedly stole a fire truck and, and led police through a multi-county chase. Uh, what was crazy about this, Miami Fire and Rescue was in the middle of a training exercise when the truck pulled away. They were in the middle of a training exercise. Uh, one could argue that maybe they need more training and how to keep track of their truck. Uh, Mr. Hanna reportedly uh, raced onto I-95 with the vehicle around uh, 6.30 in the evening, and the chase was on. Finally came to an end around 9 p.m. near Boynton Beach. Luckily, no one was injured. Mr. Hanna was charged with grand theft of medical emergency equipment. (laughs) That is definitely grand theft. You steal a fire truck. While the fire department was on a uh, training exercise. That's pretty bold right there. (laughs) It's not like nobody's going to (laughs) notice. Elsewhere, the broken news. A follow-up to a story that we had, I think, last Thursday, Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure. Uh, But America's first strippers union is now official. Yes, that's right. The owners of the North Hollywood Topless Bar in California, where the union vote occurred, has withdrawn its opposition. The National Labor Relations Board certified the vote by the dancers last week. 
Performers at the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar now belong to the Actors' Equity Association, which represents 51,000 stage workers. (laughs) I wonder, I just have to wonder uh, how all of the other members of the Actors' Equity Association feel about their their new sisterhood there. You know what I mean? Um... (laughs) Will they? I don't mean to laugh. I mean, hey, you know, if you can, you can organize and better working conditions and higher pay and all of that. More power to you, I suppose. Um, more than two dozen dancers at the bar picketed outside the club last year to protest what they called unsafe working conditions. They claimed they were not adequately protected from threatening and abusive behavior by bar patrons. So, the first <laughs> strippers union in America. More power to the workers, I guess. Uh, Let's see here. Back to Florida on uh, this one here. An employee at a Dollar General store in DeLand, Florida, has been sentenced to four years behind bars for spiking a co-worker's drink with bleach. Yeesh. Jerome Ellis, who worked at the store, was caught on surveillance video pouring the bleach into a co-worker's Pepsi uh, drink. Uh, Mr. Ellis was a janitor who told cops he was mad at his co-worker for brushing up against him. That was his co-worker's great violation of his personal space, brushed up against him. Fortunately, the co-worker is okay. Nobody's seriously injured, but the 48-year-old janitor has been sentenced to four years behind bars. It really uh, it made me think, how much do we really know about the people that we work with? You know? I mean, you would. I would like to think that nobody that I work with would try to poison me with bleach, but then again, <laughs> I, I don't know how well I know some of these people outside of work, so just never know. Uh, speaking of people... That, uh, you know, co-workers making strange choices. This from the international file, the broken news, a hospital in West Germany, Western Germany. I guess West Germany isn't a place. It's just Western Germany. Hospital in Western Germany is uh, actually, uh, I guess, under under some pressure uh, after their surgical team made an interesting choice. Picture this, a surgeon in need of assistance for a toe amputation, all right? Uh, But no qualified assistant was anywhere to be found. So, and apparently by German law, they can't perform this kind of operation unless there is an assistant in the operating room. So the surgeon can't fly solo on this. He has to have an assistant. So the resourceful doctor called upon the power of a janitor to lend a helping hand. (laughs) Hopefully not the same janitor that tried to poison the guy's drink in Florida. This is a totally different thing. But, um, yeah, (laughs) he couldn't find a qualified assistant surgeon, so the job went to the janitor. According to the news report, uh, this incident occurred a couple of years ago at Maine's University Hospital, When the patient started getting a little antsy, 
the doctor had the bright idea to recruit a nearby cleaner as an impromptu surgical assistant. Turns out the cleaner, not surprisingly, had zero medical experience. (laughs) Fortunately, again, the patient emerged unscathed, but the doctor's career took a nosedive. He has since been uh, dismissed by the hospital, but the uh, hospital still facing some questions about, again, how much do we really know about the people that we work with? I mean, only know them so well, I guess. That's crazy. Um, and how about this in the uh, broken news? Police in Pennsylvania are asking for the public's help after someone lit fireworks inside of a public restroom. Um, and and melted the plastic toilet in the facilities. Earlier this month, a mischievous troublemaker or troublemakers set loose fireworks inside the women's restroom at Jacobs Creek Park, turning it into a plastic inferno. Uh, State police were not amused. Uh, They are asking for the public's assistance to bring the culprits to justice. Wow. That'd be in for a shock. Can you imagine being in the next stall when all of that happens? Crazy. And uh, finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, I have this story out of Los Angeles. Certainly no shortage of hot spots in L.A., right? But there is a new eatery called Funky. It is named in honor of celebrity chef, celebrity chef Evan Funky, spelled F-U-N-K-E, but pronounced Funky. So this new eatery is reportedly such a huge and such a huge demand that the waiting list is more than 1500 people long the hollywood reporter notes that the three story 10,000 square foot restaurant which is less than a month old has already served uh, many many celebrities at their pre-opening event and um, the beverly hills eatery boasts all the refinements one might expect from its ritzy locations in beverly hills and uh, they even have uh, what they call a pasta laboratory. Pasta laboratory. Glass-enclosed pasta laboratory. And this is pretty swanky. Also home to the rooftop bar funky, the restaurant's website advertises it's a place where the generational histories of culinary traditions of Italy can live in full illustration, exploring the regions less traveled and seeking out the rare, obscure pasta shapes, and the women who have mastered them. Well, got to beat out 1,499 other people just to eat there. Isn't that crazy? 1,500, and it's only a month old. I know. I don't know that I would wait that long. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you... To your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Findlay Rotarian is all about? I'm Angela Dabosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County. Being a Rotarian offers meaningful connections with community leaders and to what's going on in organizations across Hancock County. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, all part of a worldwide service club, contact Findlay Rotary at findlayrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. 
Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. With Memorial Day coming up, of course, that means that uh, it's travel season. Kids are out of school, right? And uh, so beginning Memorial Day weekend, it is time to hit the road or take to the skies or, or what have you. It's travel time. And a new survey commissioned by Motel 6 uh, finds that, believe it or not, people who meticulously plan their getaways are actually in the minority. And I thought this was really interesting. A survey of more than 2,000 Americans, 67% prefer to take trips on a whim. And just, you know, spur of the moment kind of thing. Now, I, I just, that's, that's like incongruent to me. I can't, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, beyond that, 73% of Americans are up for a trip where they don't know the destination. I just can't imagine doing that. Have you ever done that? Where you don't, I, I guess my wife and I did that once. We had a weekend getaway and we decided we were just going to hit the road and we headed south and we said, we're just going to go until we don't want to drive anymore. And we'll stop wherever we end up, we end up. And I think it was someplace in like central Kentucky. Um, but that's the only time we've ever really done that. I can't imagine going on a trip where you don't know the destination. But apparently three in four of us uh, would be up for such a getaway. Now, uh, that being said, it they're talking about getaways or taking a trip. I mean, I don't know whether they're talking about just a weekend trip, a weekend jaunt, or something you know longer than that where you don't know. Because <laughs> don't you have to have some sort of idea of the des- destination? How do you know, you know what to pack or, you know, I, I don't know. But three out of four say that they are uh, up for a trip where they don't know the destination. Two and three prefer taking trips on a whim. Uh, 75% of those in the poll believe the journey is as much fun as the surprise destination, um, which I guess you better look at it that way because if you end up being disappointed in your destination, you better have had fun getting there. Um, Of those who are planning their getaways this year, 53% say that they are visiting friends and family, which, (laughs) yeah, you better plan that out. You don't want to just show up unannounced. So for that, you better uh, play 50% say the reason they take a trip is just to take a break from life. And 35% say they have their hearts set on exploring a new city, someplace they haven't been before. Uh, The survey showed that 47% of people vacation during traditional times, like the summertime, 29% say they prefer traveling off-peak when destinations are less crowded. And there is certainly something to be said for that. I thought this was kind of interesting. 80% of those who plan vacations prefer not to travel alone. And 28% even plan on bringing their pets this year. Incidentally, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. But 28% to take their pets along on their summer travel adventures. Coming up on Memorial Day weekend, it is time to glow up 
for summer. And joining us this morning is Carmen Ordonez. She is the host of Ion Style on Ion Television, the founder of the lifestyle blog at Vivia Fashion. And she's got some tips and advice for us on how to reset and rejuvenate for the summer. Carmen, what is the first step in your summer routine to get that healthy glow on? Absolutely, Chris. Well, really that first step is all about moisturizing, right? Moisturizing is the key for radiant skin. And it's really time to glow up your summer routine. And you can do that with the Olay Cleansing and Nourishing Body Wash, as well as the Olay Nourishing and Hydrating Body Lotion. So both of these are infused with hyaluronic acid, which is one of my favorite ingredients. It's also known to attract and also retain water for long-lasting hydration without the coated feel. So you're not going to be left feeling sticky, and also the moisturizing ingredients in this hyaluronic acid duo is going to infuse moisture 10 layers deep, hydrating to really replenish and strengthen the skin barrier from within. And the body wash is also approved by the Skin Health Alliance, so you know it's a good choice. And I also love that the body wash and lotion from Olay Body really packs a dual punch of hydration, so it's going to visibly replenish the skin, deliver deep moisture, and also lock in nourishment. So if you're looking for a refreshed body care routine this summer, I definitely recommend you give these a try. So you get the right kind of uh, hydration, not the kind where you're just sweating all the time. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so after the skin, uh, you also have some hair care essentials for the summertime warm weather months. Yes, very important that we take care of our hair especially a little bit more in the summer if you're going to be out in the sun, you know, maybe playing some some sports with your kids, with your family, or if you're at the beach or in the pool. So I'm really excited about this one and also thrilled to share that they are back in stores at Costco. It is Super Nature Gentle Moisture Shampoo and Conditioner, which nourishes and replenishes your locks to keep your hair shiny and healthy, even in the summer sun. And the formula combines natural ingredients like potent aloe. It also has advanced science to craft solutions that your hair and the planet will love. So together, the system provides hair with three times more moisture. They're also free of sulfates, parabens, and dyes. And it's certified PETA cruelty-free as well as vegan. Not to mention the bottles are made with up to 50% recycled material and manufactured in a zero-waste landfill facility. So again, you know, not only great for your hair, but also great for the planet. So you definitely want to pick these up on your next Costco run. Even the bottles are uh, good for the uh, planet. So uh, something worth noting. And, you know, I, we should step back uh, maybe, and perhaps we should have started with this, and, and mention that uh, these are all slightly different routines, different things that we should be doing uh, in the summertime, in the warm weather months, than we did, say, in the, in the fall and winter and, and even the spring right? I mean, we should change this up seasonally. Exactly. Yes. I always recommend that you switch up your routine, you know, with the seasons, you know, for the summer, for the winter, because your skin as well as your hair, they have different needs uh, with the different seasons. Okay. So uh, with those things out of the way, we talk about skin, we talk about hair care, anything else that we should remember for the day to day in the uh, summer months? Absolutely. Well, you know, sunglasses for me are always a must. It's just an easy way to elevate your look. And a brand that I really love for eyewear is Zenny. They offer high quality frames at affordable price points. So you can pretty much grab a pair for every occasion. Their frames start at just 
$6.95. I mean, that is an amazing price. And the quality, like I said, is amazing. And you could get it with or without prescription. And they have a wide array of options for the entire family. So whether you're looking for something, say, a little bit more bold and colorful, or if you want something a little bit more classic and understated, they have both adult and kid sizes. You can also choose from styles that continue to sell out from Denny's Collaborative Collections with fashion icon Iris Apfel, as well as Baseball Hall of Famer David Ortiz. Plus, Denny's digital try-on feature lets you find your perfect frame from the comfort of your own home. This is a new tool that they launch. It's called Image Search as well. So if you say, if you find perhaps, um, if a customer snaps a picture of a photo of a frame they love, they can upload it to the Zenny's mobile app or website to find the most familiar frames from Zenny's expansive collection. Uh-huh. So again, you can find a more affordable version of, let's say, a pair of sunglasses that you fell in love with, but they're, you know, over 300 bucks. <laughs> right. You know, the same, you know, pretty the same exact style. So you can check out Zenny.com for all of your summer eyewear needs. Very cool. And again, available uh, in just in regular and also in prescription lenses. So good to know there. Again, uh, Carmen Ordonez is host of Ion Style and Ion Television, founder of Lifestyle blog Vivia Fashion. Where do we get more information, Carmen? Absolutely. For more information, you can head on over to d6news.com slash summerglow. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Check us out online coming up tomorrow on the program growing number of families say they're planning on taking a pet along with them on vacation, which may or may not be a good idea. I'll tell you what you need to consider first. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.